Hardscrabble, defined as involving hard work and struggle. When it comes to hunting, it's not always monster bucks and backstraps on the barbecue. Here in the dirty south, the trophies don't come easy and the defeats outnumber the victories. When you're here, it's usually a hard scrabble hunt. And that's how we like it. Because after all, we are the hard scrabble hunters. What's up, everybody? This is the Hard Scrabble Hunters, and we are back. And this week, we are going to discuss early season scouting. And by that, Harmon means post-season scouting, because for all you who are serious deer hunters, you know that your season starts the day that deer season ends. Yeah, so, so here in Louisiana, it actually starts February 1st. Right, so what most people call post-season scouting, we call early season scouting yeah because there is no off season no off season at all justin what you been up to man um well today i tuned about three bows and played around with some new arrow setups and that's about it what new arrow setups tell us about this um i uh, well i tried out a new type of arrow which is a gold tip pro hunter. It's not a new arrow. It's been around forever. And new. what's that? New to you. Yeah, new to me. So um, they're 1,000 straightness. They got really, really good tolerance. And, you know, they're a really tough arrow. It's just something that, you know, I was wanting to play around with. And I tuned them, and I've got bare shafts and fletched arrows slapping each other at 40 yards so i'm pretty impressed so far so we'll see how they perform on animals not bad sounds like you're off to a good start ask tell me tell me this did you break my bow i didn't touch your bow i was working on my bow (laughs) (laughs) see how it is perfect Uh, oh goodness no i i had some uh I was going through my stuff the other day and realized I had a, a brand new set of limbs for my PSE that have never been touched. I was thinking about buying a new bow. I wanted one that was uh, a little more poundage. And anyway, I had a set of limbs that were uh, 10 pounds heavier. So, Well, let's be honest here. You didn't want one that was a little more poundage. You wanted one that was cool because it said Hoyt on it. <laughs> no, this is true. This is true. I would like one, but I love I love my bow that I have now. I'm just not gonna. I'm just not in a position in life to where I could just you know bite off that much money when mine is already a proven killing machine. And that y'all cannot argue. Well, see silence. Nobody nobody uh, argued that. Bring bringing wounded animals to South Louisiana since. 2007. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could. <laughs> anyway. So, so what are we going to talk about today? For real. Post-scouting. Yeah, we're gonna, uh, yeah for real. Uh, we're, we're for real going to quit fooling around and talk about post-season scouting. Because for most of you, most of you going through deer pressure right now, because you know you've got, you know, quite a while until our deer season starts. And so what do you do? Well, you do everything you can to get in the woods. And there's no point, if you're going to go wander in the woods and reminisce about the times gone by, (laughs) 
and you know look at the trees and watch everything green up and the leaves come out and listen to the turkeys gobble you might as well get something a little more productive out of it than just a little bit of exercise so this is this is a, a good time to get out in the woods and take a look around and you know look at some things now that can actually benefit you later on uh not necessarily early season because what's happening what's happening now you're basically learning what was going on better during the late season yeah so here uh down here in louisiana and texas we have a little bit well really all across the south we have a little bit of an advantage um we can get started earlier uh we don't have the snow that ever keeps everybody else in uh in february and early march um you know up north and midwest so we're able to get out it's hardly ever conditions where uh you can't get out and go look around and like kip said a lot of times right now you're really looking at what's going what's been happening at the at or what was happening at the end of season and while that might not help you for a whole nother year uh if you keep a mental note of it uh and 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 pay attention to it it'll kind of help you get in a position like if your season goes all the way into january and mo- i think most most seasons do whitetail seasons do uh if your season goes all the way into january and you find an area where deer have been hanging out uh in february you can go to that spot the following january uh once your deer kind of go in a hole uh, and, and go missing that kind of gives you a place to to start over at uh like if you find them in find a lot of deer activity at you know, at the end of the season, then go right back there. The end of the next season, it kind of gives you a starting point. And and honestly, right right now, uh, uh, I just realized that it the time is flying by so fast. I just realized that we are already, you know, almost halfway through the month of April. Um, and so there is a at least down here in the deep south, there is a lot changing right now. Um, you know, every all the leaves are all all the trees are in full leaf. And so, you know, ideally your early season, your, you know, your postseason scouting would have been done back in, in February, but there's still a lot you can learn right now. If you, you know, if you get out there and look at it, the patterns of the deer, they do change drastically throughout the year. So what's starting to take place right now, you might still, it might actually help you out some. You know, if you're in a place where everything is full green up and you've already got all the forbs and all the brows that's in, you know, popping out, they may already start getting into a summer pattern right now. Um, But you can still learn stuff that'll help you later in the year. This is a good time of year to be in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, I've kind of noticed that, you know, which I hunt real small blocks of land and the undergrowth is very thick. There's a whole lot of greenery. I mean, there's there's deer brows everywhere. So from, you know, and this is area specific, I'm sure, but from like right now to the end of April, like pictures I'm getting of deer on salt licks, I want to be getting pictures of those same deer, you know, some of those same deer in October. You know, I've actually killed bucks that I had in a spot where I had them coming onto a salt lick ever since April and I killed them the first week of bow season, you know, first week of October. So having, you know, boots on the ground and knowing what's going on in that area could benefit you, you know, especially the first couple of weeks of season when those deer still might be in like a late summer pattern. Yeah. And that, I mean, we can, we do that on our place as well. Um, we're a lot of times a deer will hang out in a general area, 
but he might not stay. His pattern might not be as uh, consistent right now as what it would be late summer. For whatever reason, they they tend to get, at least from what I've seen, they tend to get more more consistent in what they're doing as the year progresses. And I think that's just probably because there's not as much human activity in the woods and they start relaxing and they have several months to be basically totally unmolested where they can do their own thing. They don't have to worry about anything. And so they get a lot more consistent towards the end of the summer. So you'll find deer in the same areas, um, but you'll just find them more consistent at the end of the summer. But what I've noticed is our, our deer where we hunt, where Kip and I hunt, they tend to go through what I, I call transitions to where in the springtime they'll be, they'll be doing one thing through around May and then they might move, they, they might only move 400 yards or so, but they'll move and totally change their, their pattern for a couple months and then they'll, they'll move again to another area and I don't know really, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, your your water source changes like what justin said uh your your vegetational change you know stuff will die back in the in the summertime certain you know new new brows will appear ragweed starts coming up at the end of the summer and that'll change our patterns i think that has something to do with it but i've noticed that deer tend to go through transitions but right now is a good time to uh to kind of kind of get on them because uh, they start they start relaxing right now they're still they're they're working they're working their jitters out right now (laughs) well i think it i think it depends on where you are you know like if like where i hunt it's just slammed solid green briar and thickets you know there's there's a deer can move 20 feet a day and not get hungry you know that's all they're not going to have to move very far to get food so you know if you're in a situation to where those deer are having to travel to a you know isolated food source or you know a certain area to get their food depending on you know what's producing at that time i think you would see a lot more transition i think that but i think that's why i don't see it on my property is just because it's so thick and there's there's brows everywhere you know there's it's a kind of a different situation i guess yeah you you are hunting smaller blocks than we are and and i've been with you on a couple of them and well i say that I haven't been with you on any of your properties that are not just as thick as it can possibly get. Um, so yeah, you, you're you don't you don't have hardly any habitat change, so it's it's hard to see any type of a uh, deer movement or you know deer behavior change across the landscape that you have because when you're hunting you know a twenty acre block and it's all looks identical, you're not going to see just a whole lot of difference. Um, yeah, and I honestly don't see a behavior change until, you know, pretty much until the pre-rut, you know, like the middle of October. Then, right. you, then they start changing their patterns. But And what Harmon mentioned as far as the transition, he's like, you know, the deer shifting over and being somewhere else. And he said they may only be like 400 yards. Or yeah. Somebody, somebody listening to this is thinking, what do you mean 400 yards? They're in the same spot. Well, that's what you think. That's why Harmon kills deer all the time because – he recognizes when they move a little bit, and you got to move a little bit too. You can't just sit back in your same spot. If, well, if you're, especially if you're running game cameras, I mean, if you're trying to watch your deer grow and figure them out, figure out a personality, uh, how how alert they are, all that kind of good stuff. 
if they're 400 yards from your game camera, that does you no good. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- I mean, that's th- this has been proven. This isn't just Harmon saying that. I mean, there's been studies done where they prove that a, that a mature buck's range during the summer just shrinks to a tiny little dot on a map. And it, it's literally a several hundred yard circle in some cases. And as long as there's food and water and thick cover, that's all that deer needs during the summer. And, you know, that's that's very realistic to say a deer could move 400 yards and, you know, never get out of that circle until the end of the summer when he change, starts changing his pattern. That That's that's proven. That's not something that, you know, we're saying. Right. That's something that's been documented, you know. Yeah, and I mean, the, like a... The deal is, if you if you stay, and we've talked about this, uh, even even in regards to you know your hunting, um, if you stay in the same spot all the time, and you're like, well, this is a, well, I'll just use a salt lake or a mineral lake or something, be like, well, this is just a spot that the deer are going to come to, and you leave a game camera there for three weeks, and you're only getting pictures of does and fawns. You're you, you've gonna, only got does and fawns, <laughs> right? Yeah. If <laughs> If you're not picking in the, especially in the spring and summer, if you're not picking up a buck on your game camera within two weeks, you need to move your game camera. Uh, if you're, unless you're just looking for deer, <laughs> if you're just looking for deer, you know, that's cool. But if you're wanting to target a buck or, you know, try to figure out what's growing, what's going on, who survived the, the, uh, orange army. Uh, if you're trying to, you know, find, find your deer again, then you need to move your, move your cameras around. Uh, it works the same way early season as it does late season. If you're not getting pictures, you need to move. Speaking about bucks or mature bucks in general, and especially mature bucks in the summertime, 50 yards might as well be a mile. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, I've literally had cam- like a dozen cameras spread out on a piece of property, and you get pictures of bucks walking down one trail, and five different bucks will use that trail. And there's another trail 30 yards away to one side and another trail, you know, 50 yards away on the other side. And you'll never get a picture of those bucks on those trails. I've noticed that too. I've, I've had them, I've had them close proximity to where one, one trail you're essentially getting does and the other, and you might catch a buck every now and then, but if you move your, your camera, you know, 50 to 80 yards, you're all of a sudden going to start catching all your bucks. Yeah. And those, those doe highways are, you know, they're great for filling a freezer, but if you're, right. get, if you're getting pictures of 10 does cruising by every day, you need to move. You know, if you're looking for bucks, here's another, like, if you, if you are getting pictures of does and then all of a sudden you have a random buck show up, that typically means you're on the edge of that buck's territory or that buck's pattern. So if you all of a sudden have a random buck show up and then he disappears again for like a week or two, uh, move your camera, bounce it around, do, you know, go actually cameras just tell you what's there. You actually have to go out there and find the sign, try to find, find your brows, find, find stuff that's been nipped off, look for trails that are heavily used, find a water hole that has a lot of tracks or big tracks and, and move your camera to those spots, uh, that are, that are slightly, they don't have to be a long ways away, but like we were saying, if they're just slightly, away from where you're getting nothing but does you might all of a sudden pick up where that random buck he he might not be as random as what you think he is yeah it can be 50 yards away you know and you all of a sudden you move the camera and you're like man where'd all these bucks come from and they've been there all along they just weren't using that 
other trail and you know that's in my experience i'm no expert but in my experience that's how bucks act they don't they don't want to be you know they don't want to be down going down the interstate they're going to take the back road yeah yeah and and all this stuff they're mentioning it it can uh it can lead to some frustration (laughs) oh yeah i've gone a i've gone a whole summer and not been able to find a picture of a buck uh, you know not not a single buck but you know very limited buck pictures when you get thousands of doe pictures yeah every summer i'm like scratching my head like okay i know there's something here and but and i can you know getting pictures of bucks in general isn't necessarily a problem but finding the buck that i know i want to wrap a tag around it's like where'd they go okay like the, the the main area where i hunt it it's like late summer it is like the nursery for a long time there i got to be where it just drove me bonkers and then you know, year before last, I quit caring. Okay, I'm not getting pictures of bucks in the summertime, but whatever. I know by the second week of October, there's going to be something that's going to interest me highly. All of a sudden, just show up out of nowhere in that area. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. It, it, and sometimes, you know, sometimes when we're talking about, you know, moving your cameras 50 yards one way or the other to find the deer, <laughs> sometimes there's just a little bit of luck involved in that. Um, you know, because... Who's, you know, well, you, he, uh, if that deer's not using that 20 acres, unless he's wanting to be, you know, if, unless he's wanting to trespass everywhere, he ain't going to find them, you know? Yeah. And another thing we're, we keep talking about game cameras. Um, we, we hunted before game cameras too. Uh, but you, game cameras are an awesome tool, but you don't have to rely on them by any means. They just save you some time. Uh, you can, if you do have a mineral lick or salt lick or water hole or an area that you know deer frequent, just if you start paying attention to the tracks, uh, you can, you can tell the difference between especially i mean if you're if you're really looking at it you can you can tell the difference between okay this area has got a bunch of does well if you're if you see a bunch of medium to you know nice size tracks with a bunch of little bitty quarter size tracks that's telling you there's does with fawns hanging out in that spot so if you're not really seeing any tracks that are significantly significantly larger or fatter or longer than those the bigger does that are with the obvious fawn tracks then move. Try to find you an area that doesn't have a little bitty fawn tracks, but also has large, uh, but, you know, it might just be a single set of large tracks along the side of a creek or crossing a creek. Or um, I know down here, a lot of times we're dealing with the red clay that it cracks and you can literally lose a toddler in them if you're, <laughs> if, if, uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty bad how bad it cracks. So it's hard to find, um, tracks and and uh dirt like that uh because it's not dirt it's basically like concrete uh but you can if it rains you can you can find areas that have uh that have tracks like that so i mean we we rely on cameras a lot just because we have them at our disposal but it's definitely not something you can do the exact same thing without game cameras uh you just have to pay a little bit more attention it's with a game camera it takes out a lot of your extreme scrutinization to where you can find an area. Okay. If I put a game camera here, I'll be able to cover anything that walks within 30 feet of it. And you can cover a couple different trails at once sometimes. And uh, so that saves you some time. 
Um, otherwise, you're just kind of looking at looking at tracks and guessing and just trying to, you know, hope that that big track that you're looking at isn't a monster six point. Well, and 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 Harmon and Justin have both mentioned water a couple of times. In a lot, in in many areas of the country, water is key. I will say this: where we are, they don't call this place the Bayou State for no reason. Uh, you. Water is basically, quite frankly, pointless around here. If you find a water hole around here in the summertime, yeah, you might find a deer track on it, but it's right in the middle of the place where the hog has been wallowing all night. Yeah. Um, and, you know, since since deer, most of their water comes from metabolic water anyway, just from their food intake on the browse, they don't have to go drink water every day. And, like, on our property, in the worst drought there is, there, there's, I've got one stand I have up by a... I call it the spring stand. It's no matter how dry it is, there is always a seep. And a lot of times I'll dig it out and have this crystal clear pool of water right in the middle of the woods. The first time I did it, I'm like, this is going to be money. Cause it was in the middle of the drought and in the whole 120 acre block of woods, that only water there. I was like this October 1st, I'm going to slam something here. Well, you go back a few weeks later and it's not almost, it's almost not messed with the deer we have so much moisture, so much humidity. Uh, they're they're getting nearly all their water from their from the browser eating, and then not too far from our property is this massive bayou that runs through there. You know, anywhere they're 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 never more than a few hundred yards from water, just about anywhere in Louisiana. So, water isn't necessarily as key here as what it could be in other places. Yeah, and we've. We've kind of jumped ahead of ourselves and chased a rabbit into yeah, the have. future, and we're actually talking summer scouting right now. Yeah, we've been talking. Uh, so I, I was going to plug that. I was like, we totally, totally left our notes. Well, Kit, so, Kit, I want to mention something. Kit mentioned something earlier, and I've heard this brought up several times, and Kip kind of implied that too, and I don't necessarily agree with it. Kip said that a lot of people think that it's just luck, you know, if you find a buck in the summer. Well, I've had that, you know, that's said to me before. Yeah, you can put up a camera anywhere and a buck will show up. Well, no, you know, nobody, nobody saw that I went back to that same spot and I moved that camera every week or two until I found a buck. So, you know, there is some luck involved, but you can greatly increase your chances. You know, me moving a camera every week isn't luck. Me moving a camera every week is being more effective. You know, and, and yeah. What's that? <laughs> What's that? He, he I think you took it personally. No, 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 I didn't. I'm, I'm referring to people that have said stuff like that to me in the past. Well, but, yeah, and that, you know, that, you, you busting your tail and getting out there on the ground and moving cameras, even though it's a pain, you know, right. that that's not luck. It's hard work and it's, you know, it's work paying off. While you still might do that and not find a book all summer, you're greatly increasing your chances compared to if you just let that camera sit there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that that goes back even like what we've talked about before, being mobile on your if if you're going to be mobile with your game camera, you need to be mobile with your tree stand and vice versa. Uh I mean, you can't just rely on old faithful. I had a picture of a buck here last last spring. I'm going to put a camera back in the same spot. Yeah, that's true. That's a good starting point, but if it you're not getting pictures of a buck there, uh, oh, you know, 
split toe might have been shot at the end of the season. <laughs> you need to go find you another one. Um, but those those spot those are those are places to keep in mind to to start out at. But uh, don't be afraid to move. Move around. It's the same same thing same way same thing with your uh, tree stands. That's probably the single biggest piece of advice that you could listen to for hunting in this part of the country is just mobility yeah. and not not hunting a not hunting a spot rather than hunting a spot you're hunting the deer i've heard that so many times you know this is this is my my spot you know i've got it i got it corned up and got my feeder there and rice bran and louisiana everybody uses rice bran <laughs> but that that's that's my spot and that's where i'm hunting well that's for a bow hunter that is the you know totally the wrong mentality to have especially hunting the type of you know the pressure deer that we hunt you know there is no spot your spot is a spot when you hang a stand there uh, an hour before you go hunt because you got pictures of the of a deer there the day before that's a spot to me yeah well granted i mean a lot of people don't have that luxury um you know they're they're given a 40 acre block and a 200 acre lease yeah that's true so I mean, they they can move around, but you, it all it all depends on your on your situation. But if you can be mobile, be mobile. <laughs> yeah, Harmon and I were discussing earlier today. We were actually talking turkey hunting and how frustrating it is. Our number one enemy trying to hunt turkeys down here is property lines. Man, it's you just can't. Uh, I, I understand when come turkey season, I understand how the people that are on deer leases they can't move out of their area feel because you just get so hemmed up and you can't go where you need to go. You know you need to go over there, but you can't go over there. And um, so, yeah, not not having these vast expanses of land you can just roam freely over, it can be quite uh, quite confining. <laughs> yeah, I'm on I'm on a. Uh jump us back a few months back where we're where we started out uh back in february uh starting back over february what i like about getting into the woods in february is it's after season you're not you don't have the pressure of oh i gotta do this and uh, i don't want to spook the deer i don't want to uh i gotta i can't spook the deer because i'm gonna hunt this evening or anything like that you don't have that that pressure if you spook the deer in February, essentially it's not a big deal. You're not pushing them anywhere else. Yeah, you who cares? Have, yeah, I mean, you, they got a whole year to calm down. But what uh, what I like about getting in the woods in February, the leaves are off the trees. Uh, and like I said, down here we don't have to worry about the snow. But you can go and you can find a lot of good rut activity that you would not have found uh, during the season because you didn't want to get – down and you know potentially risk spooking those deer so yeah you don't you, you can, don't want to stomp around your prime hunting woods at yeah peak and time you know doing it after season allows you that opportunity so you can jump out and you can get i mean you can go crawl up in the middle of his bed and lay down if you want to see see what it's like from his eyes not really but i mean you 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 really could you get don't in do bed. that <laughs> i thought that was normal you weirdo and uh well, no, you can you can find uh, you know scrapes that you might not have known were there. In fact, at the end of this season, I found some spots I'm pretty excited about, and they, and they might not turn out, but uh, I'm really excited about this next season because in February, 
I went in to pull some game cameras down and I cut through, there was an area that I knew deer always came off of this ridge. And if they didn't come off of the ridge, they were, they were circling around the end of it. And I never wanted to go over there because where I was, I was seeing deer. I was able to slip in without spooking them. I, I had opportunities and uh, I just never went over there. Well, I went over there in February and man, there were, there were rubs and scrapes everywhere and a bunch of crisscross trails. And, uh, it was a, just a lot of good sign that, uh, I kind of feel like I, I messed up by not going in there. So this, this summer I'm planning on going back in and clearing a, a small trail where I can try to slip in there without making a lot of scent, making a lot of noise and get up into that thicket and, uh, where I'll be able to hunt those scrapes, uh, you know, more, more so in November when they really start their scraping activity. But I didn't find those trail. I didn't find those spots until season was actually over. And, uh, I found, a, I found a lot of stuff like that. And that's what I like about, uh, hunting, hunting or scouting in February is that you can find those spots like that. Yeah. And see, you know, We've discussed on earlier podcasts that the, the three of us are not afraid to crowd a bedding area. We we will get in the right up in the middle of them and you know do it as wisely as possible. But uh, there are still areas where we don't like to go, and there are still areas where uh, a lot of people just will not go into a bedding area during an open deer season to keep from spooking deer to keep from running deer right to the other hunters and whatever else and so now is the time where you have nothing to lose cover every square inch of your property you know just if there's if there's a thicket if there's some place you haven't been i don't care if there's a 30 yard strip wide of of thicket that you always go around just to keep from getting chewed up by the greenbrier go through it. You just never know what you might find that you've been overlooking by skipping that little spot. And and then another thing is it's I have been guilty of this. I have gone out in in February and March and found all kinds of cool stuff and and then gotten in the middle of turkey season and then gone and started bow fishing and started cat fishing and shooting pigs and having all kinds of the summertime fun. And by the time that next, uh, next December rolls around, whenever I need to be paying attention to that information, I have totally forgotten it. And then I'll be like, you know, at the end of January, Oh my goodness, I forgot about that spot. I need, and I'm just, I just, I forget stuff anyway. So I'm not good about doing this, but when you find, find stuff, uh, sometimes it's good to keep a journal, keep a, Keep a keep notes on this kind of thing because you can quickly lose track of what you found. Yeah, what I do, I I have a GPS that I keep keep with me. And it's not necessarily for I'm I'm not that concerned about getting lost in our woods, but it is more of a play like it has topo maps on there. And if I find sign, I'll make you know make a waypoint, kind of put a little description on there on what it is. And you can go back and look at it, and you can figure out patterns just based on. Uh, I've got multiple community scrapes that I have marked. I have some heavy trails that I have marked. Some big rubs, like if it's a big rub line, I'll find uh, you know pick a point where I think it's a start of a rub line, and I'll make a point on it. And I can go back and look, and a lot of the 
um, the waypoints will be clustered around certain uh, topography uh, attributes where like you it'll it'll be all of them will be at the top of a draw or all of them will be on one elevation line and uh, or, or it'll be between uh, between ridges uh, you know in the where, where deer are traveling from one point to another and you can you know you're walking around and you're seeing it but when you actually put those plots on a uh, or put those points on a on a GPS where you can actually look at it against the topography it's pretty cool even even though I mean I'll have I, I've got tons of waypoints in a small little area but when you when you try to you zoom in and you really get to looking at it it's it's pretty neat that you you can actually pick those points apart and get, give you a pretty good idea on what the deer are doing yeah like a big uh grown-up game to connect the dots right i'm bad about that too though i'll i'll walk into an area and at the end of season or, or at the beginning of season and realize oh this is a uh this was that spot that i was gonna hunt this is a spot i was gonna check out last year and i never did and I always kick myself. Yeah, there's there's a few good bucks that are still breathing and still out there because my good intentions, uh, well, they were just that. They never got off the ground. They were just intentions. They were they were forgotten intentions. Right. But backing up here a second on a different on a different note, Harmon and Justin have both mentioned uh, salt licks and mineral licks. Uh, this is the time of year if you're wanting to get out there and do stuff. This is the time of year that you most definitely need to get those things freshened up and get those things uh, ready where it's actually doing the deer some benefit. Because, you know, they mentioned them as attractants, but a, a good portion of the year is here for sure. A good portion of the year, you know, typically by the second week of October on, the deer pretty well start ignoring them. Yeah. Uh, they, it's, it's a, it's a, they they peak out on them in the you know spring and summertime, and so they're really good to have out. They're really good to use. Now obviously they're not legal everywhere, um, so if they're not legal, don't do it. But the the deer can definitely benefit from it, and the deer uh, the deer it is a good it is a good picture point. Yeah, you can get pictures of a lot of your of your bucks because once if you can if you can look up and put a mineral look. In an area where a bachelor group hangs out, at the end of the summer, you're going to start getting. You're going to be able to keep tabs on all your bucks' growth, and uh, and like right now, you want to get it in the ground really before the fawns drop, because the does will start hitting it uh, right before the fawns drop. They might disappear once they first have them, but then within just a few weeks of them having their fawns, they're going to show back up and be there every day multiple times a day all throughout the night uh i don't i don't know what it is i don't know how because a lot of the spots i've got are just straight salt um and they they just want to keep going back to it i mean i i do put mineral in there um in a lot of the spots just obviously mineral is going to be better for them than salt but yeah the salt the salt tends to be a lot better as an attractant yeah, the, not, the salt is the attractant. I mean, the mineral yeah. is... If you're using gonna, straight mineral, that it'll do the deer good, but the deer won't necessarily come to it a lot. If you're going to use mineral, uh, ignore 
whatever anybody says and mix salt in that mess. Give them, give them plenty of it because they'll, uh, for whatever reason, they'll keep coming back for the salt and they'll get the minerals they need. You know, even if it's by accident, even if they're not coming for the minerals, they're coming for the salt. So, so have them both out, mix it in. Now, personally, I never use blocks. I've tried using the blocks before and they just sit there and melt with the rain. Uh, well, what I do with a block is I'll, I'll dig a hole and bury the block to where only the top two inches of the block. Um, and I've done this a couple of times. I'll actually get one of those 50 pound brown cattle mineral blocks. I dig a hole, bury it and have just the top two inches sticking out. And I have a little trench around the outside and I'll put just straight salt in the trench to where it's like a, I mean, it's like a buffet. You have salt on the outside and mineral on the inside, and they seem to really like that. Yeah. For years, we just mainly used the uh, just the loose salt and loose mineral and just, you know, basically poured it in a hole in the ground, and it'll blend with the dirt, and they'll just go crazy over it. Now, now, now I, hold on. I say they'll go crazy over it. For, for whatever reason, me and Harmon have noticed this, and he may have come up with some revelation that I haven't, but some of this stuff is just strangely site specific there. I've put out some of them and they just never seem to take off. I've put out other ones. I'm talking like just a few hundred yards away and the deer act like it's the greatest thing in the world. Why? And, and relatively the same soil types and all that kind of stuff. Why some spots seem to work and some spots don't, I, I'm, I'll probably never know, but you've noticed that too, right? Yeah. It's weird. Something else is a lot of times, I, and I've got a spot now that uh, it's a, it's a jam up mineral lake. Uh, deer, in fact, I need to freshen that up. I hadn't I hadn't hit it this year. Um, Slacking. Yeah, I know. Um, but it's a it's an awesome mineral lake. It, the deer really hit. And I, I really I have I put straight mineral in that one a lot, and I make salt too. But the first two years, nothing hit it. I might have a random doe come to it, but it was not active at all. So much to the point where I, I totally ignored it. I forgot about it. I was like, well, this is a dud. This was a, a waste of time. And uh, I, t- I quit messing with it and uh, for like a year. And, uh, and I went in, went in one day just out of curiosity. I think I was trying to figure out a buck. And I just went into that area because it had been a while. And I walked up and there was a hole there where the mineral lake was. And I don't know whether it was just a something happened, like an oil field or a, a gas site moved in, came in and it changed the deer's pattern and it made more deer hang out in that area. I don't know what happened, but it took like two years for that lick to kick off. So don't, don't totally give up on them. Uh, sometimes it takes a couple of years to get them going. But like I said, that might've been completely 100% because of a habitat change that I wasn't aware of. Yeah. Uh, and so with that being said, don't, don't go pour out a bag of salt and mineral and then expect to go back two weeks later and there'll be a hole dug in the ground. Yeah. That these are these are not high-usage sites. They're not going to just sit there. Uh, they can be, but as a general rule, they're not. Yeah, exactly. They, yeah, you're they really, be. This is primarily to benefit the animal. I mean, to benefit the herd. Um, and we've, we've said that. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to... Now, if you, you have can, now if you have hogs, it can quickly become a high usage site. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually had a place a couple of years ago. I put there was an old stump, and I dug a hole around the stump and dumped half a bag of cattle salt in there. I didn't have any mineral, but it was just salt. 
and I came back like two weeks later, and the there was a crater there. The stump was like twenty yards away, flipped over, and the hogs had just destroyed it. And the, and I went, you know, I had a camera on it, so I pulled the card, and there's like hogs there every single day. And my cousin actually shot a really big boar off of that spot a little later on as a result of that salt basically <laughs> but but yeah, if you have pi- pigs love salt you know it just like the deer do so it has a downside sometimes yeah there's uh that that is definitely a downside because i'm i'm actually there there have been a few of my my preferred salt licks that we've almost had to abandon because the the pig spent so much time there that it was useless to the deer um my dad is actually He's he he always buys the uh, the trophy rock, and then the uh, the trophy rock four sixty five, which is basically the ground up trophy rock, and the deer seem to really really like that. Problem is pigs, they'll take a trophy rock, you know, you'll you can stick it down in a hole. They'll crunch that sucker up. <laughs> but you'll go back a week later. Where'd my rock go? And you'll find it twenty yards away in like four pieces scattered. Yeah. You know, I had that happen with one of those big mineral blocks. I didn't. It was one that I didn't bury. I came back to the house. I was hot. I thought somebody had come in and sabotaged my sabotaged my salt lake because I wasn't too terribly far from a property line. They could look across and see the block sitting there if they wanted to. And uh, and I was mad and went back in there later that afternoon and found my block about forty yards away. <laughs> the hogs had found it and rooted it down. <clears throat> yeah, so Dad's actually, he's uh, we, he looked up or Harmon looked up a way to to mount a trophy rock on top of a T post, get it up about three feet and three or four feet in the air where the deer can like lick it. <laughs> pigs, the pigs can't do it. And so, yeah, I found that. I saw another product the other day. This is I told Dad about it. He may probably use it. It's actually a salt and mineral block. Uh, it looks like a trophy rock, but it's not. And it's made. It's I found it at Tractor Supply Company. It's made for horses, but they've got a hole drilled through the middle of this salt block, and a rope is through it. So I'm like, Why? it's like a big sucker. Yeah, it's like a big sucker. I'm like, well, just hang your salt block, <laughs> hang it from the limb. That's awesome. You know, so I'm like. I may have to I may have to try that and and uh and see if we can give the deer the bit. I mean, you're still gonna have your big boars that could stand up and probably paw the thing down, but uh it won't be quite so easy for the masses if it's hanging three feet off the ground. Yeah, I've almost like I I'm not near as active with my uh mineral and salt as as what I was just because of the, the hog situation. I, I used to be a lot. And there's certain areas to where I can do it, and I might have a random pig, and if I can kill that pig, then I'm good. Uh, it's just not like a high pig activity zone or whatever, but I'm I'm usually uh, – I've, I've been kind of slacking on it lately because of the hogs. They they will ruin a good salt lick or mineral lick. Yeah, we've got, <clears throat> we've got several things that we now call wallows through the woods that used to be called salt licks. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to <laughs> – if you want to start a pig wallow, if you have pigs and you're trying to attract them, dig a hole and put straight salt in it. Find an area where there's hogs and put salt in it. You will create a wallow. You don't have to have corn or anything. They just keep coming back to it. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty fascinating how much they like it, which is, you know, it's kind of a... It's like you're curing them while they're still alive. <laughs> yeah, it's on, on, the, on, the hoof, on the hoof ham curing. <laughs> If only, if only. Yeah, there's a lot of things though that uh, that 
you can do in the woods these, this time of year to get out there and uh, and shed. learn and yeah and learn a whole lot about your property. And and Harmon said shed hunting. Yeah, that's something that a lot of people in the South don't do much of. You can get on online and on Instagram or whatever else, and you see the people all over the West, you know, scooping up elk and mule deer antlers by the truckloads. And then you see a lot of and people even in the Midwest. Yeah, and the people in the Midwest scooping up whitetail antlers. You're not going to see too many really successful shed hunts in Louisiana and Alabama and Mississippi. Um, and there's several reasons for that. One, it's so ridiculously thick. One, it's, it is like finding the needle in the haystack, but our rodent populations are through the roof. It's not, yeah, it's not just squirrels. You, you, it's, it's, uh, just as much all the, uh, Eastern wood rats and all the other, all the other rat and mice species in the woods is anything. Uh, they, they like chewing the bone, uh, Basically, every spring their their mineral lakes get freshened. It's called shed antlers. Is that is that because you're the you're the wildlife biologist among us, the man with the degree? But is that <laughs> is that is that due to you know like calcium, yeah, the nutrients I mean, and stuff in the bone? Is that why those rodents are doing it? Yeah. I've never cared enough to look up any of the research on it, but yeah, it's got to be the you know the calcium and the and the things like that that. They're not going to get eaten an acre. Yeah. So, but yeah, they, they chew it up. And, and it's like, you think that you have some time. We have literally found sheds before that could not have been laying there more than about two weeks that already had whole tines missing. Yeah. Like, ser- seriously, in our woods, if you find a shed that does not have any chewing on it, it has got to be fresh. Either that or... Uh, I've, I have found them buried in the mud in a, in a wet spot in mud and water that have been there for years that have not been chewed on. But if it's if it's in any kind of a place that's got any mice and squirrels and stuff, they're going to get chewed up extremely fast. Some of the, the best places I have found to find sheds down here has been pine thickets, uh, like a pine plantation, because that's not just wonderful habitat for squirrels. Um I mean, you'll find you'll have a random squirrel in it every now and then, but they don't typically make their nest in pine trees. And I found a lot more sheds in pine plantations than what I have in oak trees. Yeah, and unfortunately, most of our property is eighty percent hardwoods. Well, that's not unfortunate. Uh, I love that. Well, I mean, that's, that's, if you're <laughs> unfortunate shed, for sheds, <laughs> yeah, you just we just don't find many many sheds i last year i put more effort into actual shed hunting than i ever have and i promise you i probably covered 20 miles last year found one little year and a half old shed and not not your shed off of a year and a half old buck i was like you don't know how happy that made me i was thrilled to find that little piece of antler um oh kipple kipple get majorly happy on you if he finds a shed so <laughs> I'm just going to interject here. So last weekend we wow. were we were in South Texas down close to Mexico, Southwest Texas, uh scouting for Aldad and we'd heard there's Aldad in this certain area. It's really hard to get to, so we had to hike in several miles and we ended up doing like 21 miles that weekend. 
uh, between scouting and then hiking in, packing in, and then packing out. Well, on the way out, we're at mile like 20.5, and I'm tired. I don't care about anything but getting to the truck and taking my boots off and getting some water. <laughs> and Kip, like, he's walking beside me, and he, like, squeals like a 12-year-old girl and starts <laughs> yeah and like starts hopping around all giddy i mean after he's walked 20 miles he's like a shed a shed a shed i found a shed so then like five more feet and another squeal and there's another shed so he i'm like i'm like dude you couldn't pay me enough money to stop and pick up that shed right now i was like i, I don't pick up sheds i don't care about sheds they don't do anything for me. I'm never going to stop and pick up a shed unless it's like a monster 200-inch deer or something that's worth picking up. But, I mean, these are like little forkies and five points. <laughs> One of them was an eight point. I'll give you that. <laughs> so, anyway, some people get really excited about sheds. Kip, in particular, squeals with delight when he sees a shed. Or especially if he sees five in a row within a 20-yard circle. <laughs> I heard he like, wet himself over that. <laughs> it's like it wasn't yeah it was, it was pretty much i was like dude we've been walking 20 miles this is not the time to be stopping <laughs> and doing <Okay>. dumb stuff <laughs> he's like he's like taking pictures and instagram and i'm like i'm ready to get to the truck my feet are <laughs> on fire <laughs> let, let me put this in perspective okay the whole entire hike all 20 and a half miles at that point i had been looking during that 20 and a half miles, I had already found three sheds. By the time we got to almost within sight of the truck, I had sheds weren't even on my mind anymore until I saw that one. And then I'm like, when I see one, I'm, my first thought is, where's the match? Where's the match? And I'm looking and I see another one like right past it. I'm like, oh, that's got to be the match. And I picked it up and it was two left sides. I take three or four more steps and there's another one and I'm flipping out. Well, I pick it up and it's not the match, but I look to the right and the match to that one is laying six feet from it. It was a match set. So I literally found four sheds in a 20 yard stretch. That's a big deal. I don't yeah. care if they were little. Okay. That's like the shed lottery. And then another within, within 80 yards further, I found another, another shed. I don't care that, uh, let's see out of, all eight sheds I found in that 21 miles that only three of them were fresh and the other other ones were half chalk. Yeah, you found you found eight sheds and got 63 inches of horn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, one I, the one I found, the one I found way back there was actually, if he was matched, the best one, he would have been like a 120-inch whitetail, which are like, who cares? I care. And there's a whole big basket of sheds right beside me to prove it. Yeah, all, there's a, a big old... <laughs> basket of sheds right here oh. chip and i like sheds uh we don't our, well our our wives really like the sheds they decorate with them which is awesome i mean who doesn't want dead animal gear laying on their yeah she's like mantles that, if you're going to texas be sure to shelf. find me some sheds and like that okay. that's kind of cool but like i mean personally you know my thing is killing stuff and watching blood spray and you know, <laughs> I couldn't give two cents about a piece of horn laid on the ground unless it's on a, on a deer that I just shot. It still <laughs> blows my mind that you, you you told me that day that you have never picked up a shed and carried it out of the woods. Yeah, I that's never, insane. I have never once picked up a shed. I 
can't fathom that. Yeah. I have an obsession with Amber. <laughs> You're a tort. Like, that don't even make sense, Justin. You can't say that word. <laughs> oh, I yes, can't. Yes, we can. In, in regards to this, that is legal. <laughs> this is our podcast. We can say it. <laughs> Just because it's too close to home and you're offended. <laughs> Look, I don't want you talking about my people. <laughs> you're non-shed picking people. <laughs> anyway, from now on, if you pick up, if you see a shed, just pick it up for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, shed, shed. I don't know. Y'all might have covered this when I stepped out to the little boys' room, but uh, sheds are a good piece of the puzzle. Uh, you can it, if it gives you an idea of where your deer are hanging out at the end of season. Hey, hey, hey! Hold on. Exactly. Speaking of that, I haven't told you, but Dad was out turkey hunting today, and he found yes. he found a shed uh, right by my dog leg stand. Really? Same place. Last year when we were marking the property line, Dad found a good shed, and he texted me. He said, "Hey, I just found another shed in the same spot." Uh, and it was actually off of a two and a half year old buck that I got pictures of all season long. Um, it wasn't lucky number seven. It was one of the ones that just looked Look, just, just like, like lucky number seven. <laughs> lucky yeah. number eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> lucky number seven squared. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I got, it, it's not even, I haven't even seen the thing yet. And it's just this little, it's this little, if it was matched, it'd be an eight point, but the side he found didn't have a brow tine on it. It's just like this little knot. <laughs> I'm just thrilled that he found that right there. That's cool, though. That because too. as much as he was there this last year, at three years old this year, he's going to be enough to at least make me uh, seriously be interested in putting an arrow in him. Yeah, let, I know. Let, he needs let, a, let me break this down. To, let me break this down for you from the justice perspective. Deer grow horns, and they grow horns every year unless they're a doe. Yeah, horns are hollow on a cow. Antlers. <laughs> Deer grow antlers every year. So they're not exactly a novelty item. I mean, it's like, ah, I found a shed. There's there's sheds all over. Every deer makes sheds. I mean, it's not a every buck deer. He's clueless. We'll, we'll pray for you. <laughs> You're losing all credibility. I'm just, I'm just not getting it. You know, the blood spraying, the stuff dying, I'm into that. The, the, the dried up, crusty, you know, tooth marked bone laying on the ground it doesn't do it for me what the the thing with sheds that i really like like just finding a shed is cool but what i really like is when you're able to find a shed off of a deer that you've been getting pictures of that's flipping cool what's crazy is kip and there's a buck that kip and i have been uh well yeah we've been hunting him he he shows up uh just periodically he's a nomad but we have found his sheds. Bruno? Yeah, Bruno. We have found like like four of his sheds. I found three of them. I know. And I found one back in, uh, well, it was, it was the end, last week of January. I was actually stalking pigs. And I found, I found one of his sheds in October of this past season from the year before. And, but his sheds are, he is everywhere. Like we have found his sheds like two and a half miles apart from each other and i mean we we obviously can't pattern this deer at all yeah you got here you it got is a, here it is right here imagine that right on top of my uh bookshelf at arm's length of me where it should be <laughs> kip sleeps with him at night well you know all joking all joking aside you know and I, i'm partially just kidding around you know obviously if, if i found a huge shit i'd pick it up 
the little ones I don't I don't care about. But you're too good for them. <laughs> but but there is you know there is scouting value to sheds, and like you said, it's telling you where your deer are hanging out at the end of the season, and that is cool. You know if you're finding if you got a deer that you recognize and you're like, what is that deer doing way over here? You know it, it makes you it puts things in perspective like how much you know those bucks can have such a small core area and then at certain times of the year they can have a huge core area and and a lot of that is animal specific or you know that what that deer does but sometimes you can be like dude i had no idea you know that deer's roaming like four or five miles and yeah what that's what's so frustrating about this deer in particular man He's we sh- we named him Bruno because he's such a I mean he is a, a just brute, I mean, he is a brute of an animal he's a beast but we should have named him Nomad yeah. I mean he is he is all over the place and never for long yeah it's he's frustrating I had a What's, deer I had a deer named Nomad and he wandered off I haven't seen him in five years <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't come back yet <laughs> that's a good name good name for him. But uh, what I like about sheds, finding sheds off of a deer that you've been watching, is it kind of gives you a perspective on exactly how big he is. Like, you can say, oh, that's a 130-inch deer. And then when you actually find one of his sides, you can see how close you were to your guesstimation just based on trail cameras. And uh, just kind of, I don't know, makes it makes it a little closer, a little more, a little more personal. And, uh, but I don't know. I guess that, that might be just me. Well, yeah, I mean, there are definitely, I, I get, I get all excited about sheds, but there are, there are definitely some that mean more than others. Yeah. Um, you know, I've picked up boatloads of them all across Texas and I'm not really that attached to them. I mean, I've got, my beagle has about four on the house, designated dog chew sheds that I just give her. And I, believe it or not, uh, Back in the summertime, I actually gave away quite a few to a friend of mine who makes uh, has a lathe and he makes pins out of antlers. And it was tough. I shed a tear as he walked out the door with them. But yeah, but I shocking. gave but I gave away some of them. Now, th- th- granted, they were all ones from Texas on little deer that I never saw in real life and I never see again. They just on places that I've been, and uh, so they didn't mean anything to me. But yeah, when you have history with the deer, it's just cool. But anyway, I I think we've um, I think we've covered that topic pretty good, and there's a lot more uh, there's a lot more summertime scouting since we we actually left our postseason scouting and actually went straight into summertime scouting, and then went back to postseason scouting. We're kind of all over the map here. There's a lot of scouting stuff we'll probably still be talking about in the future. So y'all be sure to keep listening in and uh, give us your feedback and let us know what. Uh, let us know what's on your mind, what you want to hear, what uh, you're interested in. And several ways you can do that. You can reach us at uh, hardscrabblehunters at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at the Hardscrabble Hunters. You can find us on Facebook at the Hardscrabble Hunters. Uh, something new that we have uh, just kicked off is our YouTube channel. So we've got one video up there right now of a uh pig hunt from last summer but it's over glorious. the next yes it is glorious <laughs> uh, and uh anyway so go check that out and you're gonna want to uh just when you check it out don't just look at it and move on subscribe to it because we plan on putting up a bunch of content and there will be something there you like if you don't like the pig killing video well 
you might not like us, but uh, anyway, you keep keep staying tuned and uh, and just pay attention to that. And also go on iTunes uh, and uh, give us a leave us a review, leave us a rating, and uh, let us know what you think. We're looking forward to hearing from you guys. You can also get the iTunes off of Stitcher as well. Yes, yeah, Stitcher. There's another one, isn't there, Justin? Uh, yeah, Stitcher. Uh, Pocket Cast, all those apps, it's, it's going to work. You know the oh. the link, the iTunes link is connected to it. So in any of those platforms, you shouldn't have a have a problem. Excellent. Well, <laughs> be sure to look us up on all of our stuff, um, and uh, tell a friend. Uh, let let uh, let your buddies know about us, and hopefully they'll be tuning in uh, soon too. So, all right. Well. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, We're going to sign off, and y'all have a good night. Later.